Welcome to Broadway's Backbone with Brad Bradley, a podcast dedicated to the men and women of the ensemble, the chorus of dancers, singers, and actors that are the foundation of every Broadway musical. These often unsung gypsies are the hardest working people on the boards and are, well, Broadway's Backbone. Welcome to episode 48. Our special guest is Adam Perry. Hi, Adam Perry. Welcome to Broadway's Backbone. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. Well, we're here in a tiny little uh, recording studio where I guess David Bowie recorded. Really? Yeah, that's what the lady said. I don't know if it's true. I know. It's kind of cool. It's amazing. Uh, So I'm going to read your credits and then uh, we'll get started. Great. So the Sweet Charity U.S. Tour, Damn Yankees and On the Town were at Encores, Mm -hmm. Promise and Promises, Broadway, Anything Goes, Broadway, Nice Work You Can Get It, Broadway, Rocky, Broadway, and currently you're working on Joan of Arc at The Public. Yes. Did I miss anything? Uh, you missed two shows, actually. Oh, see, yeah. IMDb. <laughs> uh, Wicked on Broadway. Really? Yeah. They don't have that? Yeah, that was my Broadway debut. Was oh. Wicked. <clears throat> and then uh, I did Chorus Line, too, on Broadway. Really? That, it's just the very end, though. I was in it for like two weeks. Oh, still, but that's still a major Yeah, I major need to um, contact. IDDB. <laughs> it's actually like, it takes a lot of work to do it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. They should just know. Well, um, where are you from and how'd you get started? Um, well, I was born and raised in, around Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, I was born in Knoxville and then I was raised about an hour and a half north in a little town called Speedwell, Tennessee. Uh-huh. And uh, it's in the mountains and it's very far from any airport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how in you in the mountains did you decide that you wanted to do musical theater? Okay, well, it started when I was basically the as far back as I can remember. I was obsessed with music. Like even when I was a little boy, I just like whenever I would hear music, I would have to move. I just remember like being the earliest age I can possibly remember, just being like obsessed with my mom's records and uh, like eight tracks that they had and stuff like. I was obsessed and I always danced. That was like my reaction to the music was to dance. So my my mom had these uh, Supremes records. She had like the anthology of the Supremes and those were like my favorite. It's like the Motown and like doo-wop and all that stuff so and also Jimi Hendrix my dad had these Jimi Hendrix albums I know it's like totally opposite but (laughs) you know the Jimi Hendrix song Foxy Lady yes yeah I used to like put that record on and I would like do shows for my family like I would do like would like do like hip rolls and like thrust my body around (laughs) and stuff and they always (laughs) would just like crack up at me you know they were always like my gosh so I was kind of kind of always putting on shows always like building haunted houses you know and like putting on scary music and there's this always like very theatrical kind of thing and uh you know my family was always like you know pretty receptive of it they were kind of like okay you know and I just thought it was normal for me to be that way you know I didn't think there was anything wrong with it I was just kind of like being me that's how how I wanted to act and then as I got older you know, growing up in this, like, small town in Tennessee, you know, it's very conservative, very Republican, very, I mean, it's all, every everybody's kind of viewpoint on life is surrounded by religion, you know? So, I kind of had to navigate my way growing up and started to realize that I needed to hide this part of myself, kind of. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. Because <laughs> because uh, I didn't exactly get 
the best reactions about from it you know especially when I got a little older like middle school and then high school so I sang in my church choir and I did church drama and then when I was in eighth grade a friend of mine said we need guys for the party scene in the Nutcracker (laughs) and I said okay I'll you know I'll do it sounds amazing and so that was like my first time ever like on stage was I just walked around in the party scene in the Nutcracker and they had hired like these you know these two ballet dancers from Knoxville which is like an hour and a half away to come and be the prince and the sugar plum fairy or whatever so I was watching them off stage and the music was so beautiful and I was just like this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen like I I was just like completely enamored by it and was like I you know I, I was just like I have to do that yeah but you know it was it was just really kind of a tough journey to get to that point because all through high school I was basically just felt like I needed to play sports to fit in, you know, it was like kind of what I needed to do. You know, a couple of friends of mine were like, you should take a dance class, you should try it out, you should try it. And I was like, hmm, no. Like, it, of course, all girls, basically, right. you know. And I was like, oh, I don't really know if it's a good idea, whatever. <laughs> so so I did it for like, a, I took a couple of jazz classes, you know what I mean? You know, kind of the, the guys at my like high school found out and it was like, just all the teasing. Uh just ridiculous I mean I was already getting teased enough because like all the girls loved me and I was like the best dressed you know what I mean so like <laughs> so I was already getting teased because I, all the jocks were like pissed that right. know, I was getting attention from girls from these girls uh, which you know obviously they had nothing to worry about <laughs> because but did you know at that time no 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 not at yeah. all I mean I, it was just something I didn't even you know think about yeah I didn't even clock it yeah it's just like well but uh, then I stopped, I was like, I'm not doing the dance class thing anymore. Like, no way, I'm gonna get made fun of. Like, this is not worth it. So I was like, trying to like, still play sports and stuff. And I was also like, really deep into like, religion at that point too. Like, Mm. Southern Baptist. I was like, in church all the time, you know. And then I got to college. (laughs) And when I got to college, I I went to East Tennessee State University on academic scholarship. Because my brother went there, and it was just kind of the, the place to go because yeah. I was getting a free ride and you know how are you getting a free ride academic you were smart and you could play sports I, I mean I wasn't that great oh, I was right. pretty good at soccer oh okay yeah tennis I was terrible I played tennis in high school and I was the last seat on the team wow like, I was like the 12th seat on the team right <laughs> well, that's impressive that you you know I mean for being an arts person that you also were so academic that's yeah I guess so yeah <laughs> I hate, hated school. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted to just dance. I just wanted yeah. to dance around and, like, act and, like, be theatrical. But, like, I had to, like, go and take, you know, calculus. And I was miserable. I hated it. <laughs> but I got through it. And, uh, you know, I got to college and at East Tennessee State University. And I started meeting people from around other places. You know, in, in any university, no matter where it is, you're going to meet people from a lot of different backgrounds and cultures and religions and all this stuff so I just started to realize like mm, wow there's a lot of other things in the world besides you know what I was experiencing at home and and I'm, I actually met this girl who was a, she was a dancer and so <clears throat> we would go out, like me and my friends would all go out dancing like every Thursday night you know um, and she was like you're a crazy good dancer like what are you doing why aren't you a dancer? And I was like, I don't know. I, I didn't really think that was really an option for me, you know? 
here I was like a business major or something, you know. She was like, no, you really, you are really a great dancer. And I was like, well, that's like my favorite thing to do in the world. So she was like, well, you should, you should be a dancer. And I was like, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. So, <clears throat> you know, freshman year passed and I was like thinking about it a lot. And I got, decided to get involved with the theater department on campus. Just like dip my toes in the water while I was still like a business major, you know. That basically was kind of just like set a wildfire, basically. Because when I got into the theater department at, at ETSU, the head of the theater department, who I, I wasn't necessarily very fond of, mm. <laughs> <laughs> he was very tough. But he told me, he said, you know, if you're a male dancer in, in the business, you'll, you'll always be able to get work, most likely. And here I am, you know, thinking that, well, if I could just get a job at Dollywood, well, my life would be complete. Because <laughs> when I was a kid, we used to go to Dollywood all the time and we would see all the shows. Oh, yeah. And I was obsessed. I was like, my dream in life is to be in Smoky Mountain Christmas in Dollywood. Like to be in that show. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually heard people say that before. Really? From that area. Really? Yeah. No, it was my dream because the show was like so beautiful and I love Christmas and whatever. He said, you know, you'll, you'll always work. So I said, okay, okay. I remember I came home and I told, told my parents, I said, you know, I really don't think I'm going to be happy unless I'm performing. And it was like the first coming out. You know, it was like, what? Like, what? And I was like, I'm, I was like, I, I'm sorry. I just, I have to do it. It's like in me. It's like, it's in my blood. I have to do this. They were very reluctant at first, but I just kept working. And then I actually, I just, I, I was, was still in school at the time. And I was started taking all these dance classes, like on the side and everything. And cause all the dance studios in the area were letting me take for free. Oh. They were like, oh, we need guys. We need a guy. Yeah. Whatever, you know. So I actually got a summer stock job that following summer at the Lost Colony Outdoor Drama, which is in North Carolina. And that's when I, like, really was like, oh, my gosh. And then my parents came out and visited. They saw the show. And then they started coming around and was like, okay. You know, because I was like, I want to transfer schools. Mm -hmm. I want to go to a school with a dance program. And so... I ended up going to Western Kentucky University for the last two years of college. I was working summer stock like every summer after that and just got better and better and better and was just hell bent on dancing on Broadway. That was like what I wanted to do. Yep. It's like, I have to do that. And so I just, I moved to New York right after college. I went on the national tour of Cats, the Troika and oh, the tour right. of Cats for a year. Which cat were you? Alonzo. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I just saw it, actually. I just saw the revival. You did? It was amazing. And I was, like, crying because that was my first big job. Oh, of course. You know? Yeah. And then, you know, just, like, th things happened. And then I did a, a workshop in the city. And then I, I went and did another show. And then I got the Sweet Charity National Tour. And that was Wayne Salento. And then when I got back to the city, they were like, oh, well, you should come in for Wicked. Audition for Wicked and got it. Wow. Yeah. So what was it like making your Broadway debut on a huge show like Wicked? It was pretty epic. I mean, I, I had seen Wicked maybe like three times before. I had won the lottery. Like, oh. Literally like three times. I had seen Wicked <laughs> on the front row. Like right after it opened, I was like up here auditioning for Cats or something. 
like when I was still in college and I saw the show and I was my mind was blown I was like this is the coolest thing I've ever seen all the cast all the dancers in the show looked so cool yeah like and the movement at that time was like really you know kind of contemporary for Broadway like we really hadn't seen that kind of movement on you know and so and I knew that like I that's the kind of movement that I just like live in like I love to dance like that so when I saw the show I was like I will I will never be that cool like when I saw the show you really know, I said to myself yeah. I was like those people are amazing and I will just never be that cool those people are amazing and I'll, I'll like I, I I was like I would die to be in this show but I don't I don't I don't think I ever will because I, I don't know why I thought that in my head it probably motivated me even more yeah but then when I ended up being that person on the stage it was like such a crazy moment Oh, you know what I mean? Oh, I know exactly what you mean. Cause I, cause I literally had sat in those seats and been like, "Oh my gosh, I'll never be that cool." And then I was one of those people. You were that cool. Yeah. And did you get your equity card for Wicked, or did you go from Cats to Oh no, <clears throat> Sweet Charity? Cool. Yeah. Well, I actually got my equity card doing a workshop in the city called oh. Last Dance. Oh, okay. That Tony Stevens choreographed. Oh, I love Tony Stevens. Yeah, me too. Um. That was like my first, that's where I got my equity card, was doing that show. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And so how was it going into a chorus line, even if it was for two weeks, being a replacement? Well, uh, when I, when they announced that they were doing this revival of Chorus Line, which was, I don't know, what, 10 years ago or something? Yes. I mean, I it was, so, yeah. yeah. I think I was just getting off Sweet Charity or maybe something, and I was, I did Chorus Line in college when I transferred to Western Kentucky. That was my first musical that I did there. And I played Mike, who's Italian. So I don't look <laughs> Italian at all, but like I have to be seen for this. I have to be seen for this. So I went in for this revival of a chorus line, and they kept calling me back. Kept calling me back. Now, have you seen every little step? Yes, uh, I have. Okay, so they started like taking interest in me because I kept getting closer and closer to the end. So they were like, "Okay, we're gonna have some cameras that are gonna follow you to your work." Because I was had like a part time job at the time, right? And like they came to my apartment in Astoria and interviewed me on my couch. Oh my gosh! They followed me around the city. Like the day of the audi- big audition, they like followed me into the audition. Like because we, the the very final day of that that of casting that was on stage at the Broadhurst, and there was cameras and everything, and there was maybe like I don't know thirty or forty of us, and I was up for Dawn actually. Oh okay. Yeah. I had originally read for Bobby and Don, and then at that point they were just looking at me for Don, which I would kill to play, play Bobby now. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Like Bobby is like I, I'm like dying to play that part. You know, at that point in my career, I was very, I got really emotionally attached to things. Mm. Yes. Oh. So I was really just I thought like that was going to be my Broadway debut was the revival cast of A Chorus Line. You know what I mean? So we were on stage, we went through the whole process, we did everything, and it was, I just, it was an amazing experience, but then I got the call the next day that I didn't get it, Mm. and it was like, devastating. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, definitely. The stakes were so high. You know, the stakes were so high. Um, But then, like I said, later on down the line, Right before the show closed, they uh, they called me up and said, we need a replacement for Dawn for the last two weeks. And I was like, 
Yes. I was I'd already done Wicked on Broadway. Okay. So yeah. I I done Wicked and then I had left to do Damn Yankees at City City oh, Center. Yes. And they called me when I was doing Damn Yankees and they said we need a Don for the last two weeks. Will you come and, and learn the show and do it? And I I did. I learned the entire show, like costumes made, the whole shebang for two weeks of wow. shows. But I did it. You you did it. <laughs> you, and were you it? Are you seen in the movie? Yeah, you can. There's parts where you can spot me in the movie, but like all those interviews and stuff they did with me didn't make it. Into oh, they the, didn't make it. I don't know. Well, you mentioned being heartbroken because I know I like get heartbroken over not getting stuff. Has that changed? You you said you used to get devastated. Where are you now with that? Because I know I still get attached to stuff and devastated. Yeah, I think it's inevitable right. in a way. Um, I think I'm just better at handling it now because I I still get attached to things. Uh, I don't know. I go back and forth. There's a part of me that's like it never gets easy. Mm-hmm. You know, I was up for two big shows this past year. I was up for Miss Saigon and Natasha Pierre oh. in The Great Comet. Made it to the very end for both of them and didn't get either of them. And it was it was tough. It was still really tough. Yeah. You know, even though I, I ended everything worked out because I got this amazing job at the public doing Joan of Arc. But I, was, I think I actually cried when I found out I didn't get Natasha Pierre. Because oh. that audition process was like, Really intense, really long, and su- super fun. Like I was like, this is going to be such a fun show to be in. Oh, well, who knows? I mean, you, yeah, you, went, you went into Chorus Line, right. so it you might go into that. It might come back around. It definitely will. We'll see. So with Promises, Promises, I remember there being a lot of hype about gay men should not be playing straight. And with Sean, Sean Hayes. Hayes. Yeah, that's right. And how do you, being part of that show, but also as a person, do you feel like you have to... Do you change your persona when you're performing? Like, oh, I have to butch it up? Or you're, are you comfortable in your own skin when it comes to, like, gay playing straight? That's a good question. I feel very... I, f- I do feel comfortable in my own skin, but I definitely do butch it up for different characters. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, different shows and things. And I, like, played Dawn in A Chorus Line. It was, like, the so butchest one of all. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> And the reason that I think I'm so good at that is because I had to do it for so many years of my life growing up in Tennessee. Yes, exactly. yes. <laughs> or else get called terrible names and beat up. Yep. So it was a survival method. Yeah. It's a way of surviving. That makes complete sense. Basically, is to play straight. So, like, I had all those years doing it, so now it just, like, comes super easy to me. I'm just like, oh, well, yeah, I'm just going to click into that mode where I'm like, you know. It, it, because... It, it's also kind of sad, you know, just this is the way it works is that we have to to appeal to a, a broad audience. We have to be these kind of, you know, caricatures of right. gay, straight, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. When actually people in real life are much more layered, you know? Oh, yes. Yeah, exactly. It's like it, the the lines are so blurred in real life. But, you know, most, most of the time on stage you either have to play like super straight or super gay. Right. <laughs> yes. So with Anything Goes, you won the Tony for Best Choreography. How did it feel being part of a cast, a dancer in a show that won the Tony Award with Kathleen Marshall? I mean, that just means to be a sense of pride. Yeah. Uh, Anything Goes, I would say, is probably my favorite Broadway theater experience I've had because it came as a bit of a surprise to me because... I was I was doing Promises Promises at the time when they started auditioning for Anything Goes 
And then after uh, Promises, Promises, or they were in the same season, they were also doing How to Succeed with Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, right, right, yes. And a lot of people from Promises, Promises went on to do How to Succeed because it was the same director choreographer. So I was kind of like, oh, well, I'm sure I'm, I'll go, I'll move on to How to Succeed <laughs> as well. I right, mean, yeah, why not? I don't know. I was just f- feeling confident about it. I felt like I was doing a great job, and I was like, I'm, I'll, I'm sure I'll be moving on. And, and I was like, I don't really need to audition for other things. You know, it was kind of a silly thing to do, but I, my agents were like, no, you should, you should still be auditioning for other shows just in case, you know, whatever. I was like, okay. So I went in for Anything Goes, and I, I just was, um, I wasn't stressed out about the auditions. I was just kind of like, well, I'll, I'll do this, but, you know, because I, I know I'm going to be doing that, which was, you know, stupid of me to, to, to think that way but but you need confidence it's it was good. It's more also like good to be confident yeah it was also more, just more like wishful thinking oh okay uh, you know I was just like oh, I really hope that I get to move on and do how to succeed because that's you know I don't know I just loved that group of people and working with that director choreographer I just like enjoyed it so much and I was like I, I don't know it was a kind of a you know wishful thinking and also confidence I don't know but I, I ended up getting anything goes and I was like oh okay well I know I have that, but I'm 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 sure I'll be doing you know how to succeed whatever. So I went through all these callbacks for how to succeed and didn't get it. And I was like, oh well, I guess I'll do anything goes. As if it was like you know I don't know when actually that was the most joyous, amazing experience I've ever I've ever had. Really? Yes, absolutely. Because the choreography was so fun to do, so good. Sutton Foster was like a dream. Joel Gray was amazing. It was just a beautiful, fun show. And people loved it. And that was like, when I say it was my favorite Broadway theater experience, it's because I I just have never got to experience people get so much joy out of theater. Because the show was so bright. Yes. It was so bright. And the audience was so close to us. And like we were doing, you know, the big number at the end of Act One. And I would look at people in the, in the audience who were crying from us tap dancing. Oh, yeah. You no, know? I, sat, I saw it from our seats <laughs> and was just blown away. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody just, like, loved it and just got so much joy from it, and it in turn gave me joy, and I was just so grateful for that entire experience. I mean, it was, it was in the Tony Awards that whole time when we won Revival and Choreography and Sutton won. It was just, like, magical, you know? Oh, yeah. It was just, like, magic. Yeah, it's exactly what you said you wanted to do. And I want to dance on Broadway. Right. Like, that's what you think of when you want to dance on Broadway. Yeah, that was the ultimate. Yeah. It happened. Like, I was in that sailor costume with those tap shoes on, (laughs) up on the Broadway stage, you know? And uh, my parents, you know, and my parents don't see a lot of theater because they live in Tennessee or whatever. They saw the show and they were, like, it was their favorite thing they ever saw me in. Really? They were just, like, obsessed with it. So they must be so proud of you for making the choice and making the change. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's a lot different than where I'm from. Yeah, you know, but it's great that you had them to, like, support you still. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So your relationship with Kathleen Marshall obviously must have been good because you also went into nice work if you could get it. Yeah, yeah, she kind of took a few of us from Anything Goes over to do Nice Work If You Can Get It. So, yeah, I was very grateful that she was loyal to me in that way. Oh, you know, yes. To do another show. And then that was, 
Uh, like you were saying, the, the original, I was in the original cast of that. Yeah, so uh, how much fun and how different is it to be an original cast that's not a revival? It was uh, it was really fun. I mean, it's just great to be able to create your own character. Yeah, you're in that Adam Ferry track. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like really cool. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I, I mean, it, that show was an original show, but it was like an old school show. Right. It was kind of, you know, all this all... Uh, Gershwin music. What I'm doing now at the Public Joan of Arc is very collaborative and very, we're very much creating our own roles in the show. Nice. Just like a dream come oh, true. Oh, yeah. You know, it's really, really cool because it's never been done before. Yeah, so I mean, that's really, really And it's original. really, you know, cutting edge and contemporary. So it, we just get even more of a kind of free reign to create who we are in the show. How do you know when it's good to say, I'm going to make this choice and how do you, what makes you decide, oh, should I ask? I mean, because there's a whole process right. of like saying what you want to bring to the table. I, I think that just comes with experience, really, I, because I think in the past I would not be as courageous to make choices. And now just being a bit older and been in the business for so long, I'm just kind of, I just kind of go with my gut instincts a lot right. of times and then. If they don't like it, they'll tell me. You right. Because I think that's, I mean, so many people that are growing up and they want to be in the ensemble, they don't realize that as a dancer in the ensemble, you get to act. You get to make choices. Yes. They want you to create. They just don't want you to blend in, especially now. They want normal people. So it's, I always think it's important to know that, make that decision to be like, I want to be different. Yeah. I think that that's a great point to give to young performers who want to dance on Broadway or act on Broadway, do anything on Broadway. I. I think the direction of where it's going is real people. I feel like there was a time when there were there were programs that were just like kind of turning out these kind of robotic, you know, they can belt high C's and they can kick their face and they can read, you know, do a Shakespeare monologue, which is all great. But I don't know, I, I just think that people respond more to real people. Yeah. Who who come in and you know aren't exactly so polished. Right. You know what I mean? I do. And then on the flip side, there are shows like Anything Goes that want everyone to be a polished, sexy sailor. Right. You know, and so then you have Joan of Arc where it's men. And it's, right. So it's very different. Not everything is just blending in. I also think you have to be very educated to know, like, what you're going in for. You know, like, if I was going to go in for Anything Goes, I'd probably wear, like, T-shirt tucked into some black pants for the tap audition. But if I'm going to go in for Joan of Arc at the Public, which is, you know, a David Byrne rock musical, like I'm going to like wear tennis shoes and like some maybe some baggy sweatpants and like a tank top, you know. Right. Just a little more edgier. And I think you just have to be really educated on who you're going in for, what you're going in for, and what you need to bring to the table. On top of being very talented, you're also very, very good looking. I know you'd be embarrassed, but you're, uh, he's not saying it, I'm saying it. People know that you're handsome, but you also are very good physique. And I know that's more of a blessing than a curse. That comes with a, lot, a whole different pressure because yeah. your body and your image and everything like that is also a full-time job. Yes. How do you have to keep up that when you add that, like, okay, now I'm known for being handsome? I think I discovered kind of halfway through my Broadway career that the direction of how what they wanted chorus men to look like was like changing right you know what I mean I was all I was like kind of skinny and whatever when I first moved to New York I had like a very much of a dancer body it wasn't like ripped or muscular or anything like that and then I realized 
I would go to these auditions and I would be like dancing circles around these other guys, but they were getting the jobs because they had like big arms and chests and biceps and you know, they were all worked out and right. stuff. And I was like, hmm, okay. So I started going to the gym. I mean, I, I love phys- like fitness, like I, I love fitness. So it wasn't that hard for me to get into it, but it definitely kind of changed my trajectory a little bit when mm-hmm. I started like really working out. Like people started like really seeing me in a different light and like Broadway Bears asked me to like be a lead strip, you know, and I was kind of like, okay, okay. Like, but there's also the flip side of it is that now people just expect you to be at that level all the time. Right. So like if you, you can't let it go, there's, there's a maintenance that has to happen, you know, and it, it's a lot of work. Right. You don't just wake up and you mean have... No, no, yeah. I mean, I could do laundry on your stomach. (laughs) (laughs) Not right now. Oh, okay. (laughs) Not after the holidays. Well, good. I was going to ask, I was like, do you have you eaten a pizza ever in the past five years? Yeah, I had like a pizza like two days ago. Okay, good. That's comforting. Because I know, because at one point, like you were saying, you're like, am I being called in because of my talent or I'm being called in because of Broadway Bears? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's happened to me a lot too, where sometimes I question my talent because I'm wondering okay are they hiring me because they like think I'm handsome and have a great body or are they hiring me because I'm actually am talented so it kind of makes you question it sometimes because oh, I bet you know it's weird right yeah. well I was honestly shocked at how nice you are because I don't really know you that well I met you on the fringe so I did research and people were like Brandon's really really nice and I was like, okay, but I like shook his hand and like hugged him once because there is that whole thing of like someone who's that handsome and good looking, they can't be nice. And I think that we put that on ourselves. Yeah. Like he's unapproachable. I would never ask him at the gym how to do a, a bicep curl. Yeah. So it's also it's nice that you're also very open and giving and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm also from the south, so I'm mm. you know. Yes, yeah. <laughs> My parents taught me manners. Well, they did a good job. Um, all growing up, I mean, I always just was not did not like the way I looked and I didn't hate in my body when I was like in middle school and high school like I fe- always felt like I was like skinny fat and like <laughs> I wore like husky sizes in middle school and I I always dressed really cute you know but I was always just really insecure about my body and I don't think that will ever I'll ever shake that really yeah so people might you know throw compliments at me and stuff like that and whatever but I I think I've done a pretty good job of not letting any of that stuff go to my head well, because I just still see myself as like a kid that wears husky sizes in the sixth grade and it's like super awkward well, well, <laughs> and I, knocks I, things over and breaks things and <laughs> just an awkward like 13 year old boy <laughs> well that's actually refreshing for me and so I know uh, yeah. probably other people too so with Rocky, it was a big talk of the town because a lot of people, they had two opinions of it. They One, it's not a good show, and two, it's the best 15 minutes they've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So how was that whole experience of Rocky being such a, I don't know, dichotomy, is that the right word, of being like a weird experience? Yeah, uh, Rocky was, wow, that show was so amazing. We all thought when we were in rehearsals, every single person in that room was like, this show is gonna be huge. People are going to freak out over the show. And they did. Mostly the last 15 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) But it was also, you know, one of those situations, it was an original, we were the original cast, you know? And so we kind of got to create some stuff in the show, characters, whatever. 
it was just such a massive undertaking. The sets, the wigs, the makeup, the, the you know, everything was just, it was a crazy, crazy process putting all that together. At one point there was like power outages in Midtown and for like a couple days. And so we had to like have a generator hooked up outside the theater to like go get through tech. I mean, it, it was a, it was a very tedious, long process to get that show up, and we, but we all believed in it one hundred and ten percent. That's great. Like the story of Rocky, we were like the little show that could. We felt like you know we were like we have all these things happening that's going wrong with our sets and all this stuff, and like people are saying bad things about our show, but we don't care because we think it's awesome. And then opening night happened, and we got all those terrible reviews, and we were all just heartbroken. Uh. Everybody had just put so much into it. It was such an expensive show, too, that it was just really heartbreaking when, like, it all kind of fell apart. Yeah. But we, I mean, we all knew that the, no matter what, everybody was crazy about those last 20 minutes of the show. Oh, I mean, that's everyone talked about. I didn't get to see it. I was so disappointed that I didn't get to see it. Yeah, it it was, it's just something that will never, like, be erased from my memory. It's just... Amazing that I was experiencing that eight times a week because yes. you know the entire uh, theater transformed, the interior of the theater just basically transformed. There were like jumbotrons that wow. came down, ring came out, and it was like you're in. All of a sudden, you were like in an arena, and we like three or four of the actors, including me, we had we were like cameramen and crew, like we had like cameras and mics. Oh, cool. and they all actually worked. So. What was coming through the jumbotrons was actually coming from the cameras and like the 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 two actors who played the two leads they couldn't have mics because they were punching each other, <laughs> so all their lines in the fight yeah. I, I had to pick up with the boom mic. So I was like running through the audience and like putting the mic in and they were like speaking into it and there was like blood and sweat like flying off the stage. Oh it was, wow! It was amazing. Did you guys record an album? Cast album. Cast yeah. album. Yeah. And how was that? How many cast albums have you been on? Let's see. Promises, Nice Work, Rocky, Anything Goes. Oh, that's great. So four, yeah. And how is that? Is that just thrilling to be in the recording studio? Yeah, it's really cool. It's, it's, it, it never really got old. Oh, no, absolutely. I always thought it was like super cool just to be in there. So we talked a lot about your dancing and training and stuff like that. Oftentimes dancers aren't comfortable singing. Where do you lie with your singing as a male dancer? Are you also an accomplished singer? I sang in my church choir drama. Oh, okay. I never was like a soloist or anything like that, but like I could always kind of carry a tune. I'm definitely not a musician. Like I don't like read music or anything, but I think I'm a good singer. But it was a long, arduous journey to get me to the point where I was good at auditioning. Because mm. that's a whole nother thing. You know what I mean? As yes. a dancer, being like, okay, now you have to open your mouth and sing alone in a room with a piano. That was, oh my gosh, it took me forever to get good at that. Because I would get so nervous and love to just blow it every time. Really? <laughs> yes. But then I got to the point where I just did it so many times that then I would just, I just kept putting myself in that uncomfortable situation of going into a room and doing that, that I just got to a point where I started to not care. I would just be like, oh, you know what? I, I, I've got this. You, Because in my voice lessons, I would like sing my face off. Right. And then I'd get into an audition room and it would, I would just crash and burn. And so then I got to the point where I just got frustrated. And it was just like, Adam, why do you keep doing this to yourself? You get in the room and you choke. Like, what is the problem? So I just did it so many times that I got to the point where I was like, well, I don't care. I'm just going to go in and do what I do. And if they don't like it, then screw them. 
And then that's when I started singing well in auditions. Wow. So you just needed that turning yeah. point. Yeah. And now I feel like I'm, like, really good at it. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, my audition skills go in and out. I feel like it's a practice. You have to, pra- you have to practice and fail in order to get good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But you have to sad that you have to practice and fail in front of people. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Sometimes important people. <laughs> I know. Uh, so what about understudying? Have you understudied at all? Not really, actually. I understudied when I was on the Cats tour. I understudied Monkestrap, which was kind of like the biggest role that I've ever understudied. But on Broadway, no, not really. Just like little bit parts. Right. I understudied once or twice, which, to be honest with you, I'm okay with. Because, I don't know, I, I would understudy, but I'd rather play the part. <laughs> yeah. And it's not me being like, I'm not being like conceited about it. It's just that I don't think I have the nerve to be an understudy. I don't think like my nerves would serve me well in that situation. Oh, okay. Like I'd rather be like super comfortable in the part and I feel like I would nail it. But being an understudy to me is like there's just too much like nervous energy around that of like constantly being like, okay, am I going to have to go on? Am I going to have to go on? Like. Yeah, no, it's nerve-wracking. I just like to be pre- prepared. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, so um, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so with the show like um, Moonshine, which was a, the Hee Haw musical, yeah. there's a lot of hype around, oh, it's coming to Broadway or whatever. How is it doing a sh- the show, that out-of-town tryout, and you're crossing your fingers doing that type of experience? Uh, I've done that, I think, maybe like four or five times now with oh, shows wow. where I did the out-of-town run and it didn't make it. It's a show called Dancing in the Dark in San Diego. A show called Last Goodbye in San Diego, Moonshine. That's really tough, I think, because you. It's no, It's kind of like I was talking about with Rocky. You put all this time and all this energy into it, and you really hope it's gonna come to Broadway. Last Goodbye, which was a show I did in San Diego, was so amazing. It was such an amazing show, and it, it never made it. And Moonshine actually was a riot. It was so fun. <laughs> I've never had like more fun on stage in a show. Really? Yes. And it didn't make it either. So it was just really disappointing. Yeah, because when you read your bio, I just assume, oh, he's had success, success, success. And now talking to you, I'm like, wow, you've had almost as many heartbreaks as you have success stories. Yeah, definitely. I would definitely say so. And does that that grieving process get easier as you get older and more experienced, or is it still just as hard from... I think it's still just as hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's it, when you put so much time and energy into something, it's you're just bound to be bummed when it doesn't like come to fruition. Right. You know. But then also with the creative process, there are labs or workshops. You just did a lab workshop of uh, Romeo and Michelle. Yeah. So what's the experience like that where it's not, not even a full production? It's just you're in a room going, let's see what happens. How was that experience? Yeah. Uh, that's that's pretty fun. Uh, I actually did. Four workshops last year. Wow. Yes. I did Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, Escape to Margaritaville, which is the new Jimmy Buffett musical. I did Joan of Arc, and then I did King Kong, which is supposed to come to Broadway, I think, in a couple oh, years. Oh, really? So, yeah. Yeah, those processes are cool. I, it's very creative, which I enjoy, just to kind of make the part work for you. Just like I was saying, you know, getting to create a role. Yeah. That's basically what you get to do in a workshop, you know. It's just tough with workshops because, I I mean, my favorite thing to do is perform. I know some people, like, love the process more than performing. Yes. I'm more of, like, I like to be on stage performing. Like, that's what I like to do. So that's kind of tough with all these workshops because you never get to that point. 
you're just in a room doing it, and then if you, you might do a presentation at the end for a bunch of producers, but you don't get to like perform it. Right. So in this day and age right now, I hear you have to have a media presence, or uh, you have to have this many followers, and some people think that's really important, and some people don't. After we met, I friended you and I follow you. It seems like you know what media presence is. Yes. You have to add that on top of like going to the gym eight times a week, yeah. and you have to have a media presence. So how is that with you? I have found that branding yourself in show business is really important. Some people may not agree and some people would, but I, I just think you, it's part of your brand. You know, your Instagram or your Facebook or whatever, it's it's inevitable that creatives are gonna see your stuff. You know, I actually got a modeling agent through my Instagram. You did? Yeah, well, I'm with Wilhelmina, I'm signed with Wilhelmina Models. And they saw me on Instagram and messaged me on Instagram and said, hey, we would like to have a meeting with you. It's pretty cool. I mean, it, it's worked out great for me. Right. It's not something that I'm like actively like trying to do constantly. Right. But I'm not like hands off about it either. I, I kind of am just in the middle. Like sometimes I, I will like try to get my name out there more and whatever. And then sometimes I'm just kind of like, eh, whatever. Yeah, no, because it's very <laughs> interesting because I recently did a show where that part of it was so important. And I was like, oh, no, it's not important. And then I took Mary Sugarman's class, and she's like, yeah, you have to have a media presence. And I was like, okay. So it's interesting to hear from you that it is important. Yeah, it's like part of your brand. Yeah. You know, it's like, what does he have to offer? It's at access of everyone's fingertips. Right. Every room that you go into to audition, like the people behind that table, directors, choreographers, producers, whatever, can be like, oh, Adam Perry, let's see if he's on Instagram. Oh, there he is. Oh, let's oh. look at his pictures. Oh. Do you think they look or at how many followers? Do you think that's important too? Maybe. Maybe like after a certain point of followers, maybe if you have like, I don't know, 25,000 followers, they'll be like, oh, we should put him in our show because it's kind of famous on social media. Right. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yes. But also maybe they just look at your stuff and say, oh, what kind of person is this? What, what is he, How does he like to represent himself in the social media world? Right. You know, which is kind of annoying, but <laughs> it's just the state of the world. Right. You know? Yeah. But the little bit of what I've seen you represent yourself and meeting you now, you actually, you honestly represent yourself kind of nice and fun. I feel like there's a, a whole fakeness that people put on social media. Yeah, there's a lot of thirsty people out there. <laughs> <laughs> so I find that so interesting. And, you know, I mean, I'm. I'm just above the age group where it's important to me. Yeah, I mean, I just think some people, you have to kind of trust your talent sometimes, that your talent's enough. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. So there's a balance, I think. <laughs> Currently, right now, you're at the public and yeah. the famous public doing Joan of Arc. Who's directing and choreographing that, and how's that experience going? Uh, it's The director is Alex Timbers, who directed Rocky. Actually. Oh, And okay. the choreographer is Stephen Hoggett, who did all the fight choreography for Rocky. Okay. So... They were loyal to me and asked me to come on to this project, which is really amazing. And I'm so grateful because I, I, I mean, I, I just wake up every day and I just thank my lucky stars that they asked me to do this yes. project because it is legit the coolest thing I've ever done. I just am so grateful I'm there because everyone is in that room is so talented. It every, makes me feel talent free. Well, you, <laughs> well, no, obviously, if they're loyal to you, it's because you're talented. And you're easy to work with and good to work with. Yeah. And so you have to give yourself credit, you know, because yeah. I think that's amazing. So you've had a, a pretty amazing career. So if you had to pick one or two things that were like the most special moments, they could be anything. What do you think it would be? I would say maybe number one would be dancing. Anything goes on the Tony Awards. Oh. That was oh. dancing on the Tonys that year was crazy fun. That might have been the best one. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then... 
Number two, I would say like working on this project right now ranks up there pretty high. That's great. Yeah. And when does it open? We start previews February 14th. Oh, okay. And then we open in March. And right now it's running through the end of April, but we might extend through May. Well, this was an amazing interview. Thank you so much for doing that. Of course. That. At the end of each interview, I uh, asked the person to pick a song. Yeah. Did you think I was going to make you sing? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I thought, and I was like, well, if he wants me to sing, I guess I'll sing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know this about me, but I have a disco obsession. I don't know that about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm obsessed with disco. And I, I mean, I don't mean like wedding, like songs you hear at a wedding disco. I mean like obscure, fun, Fire Island disco you know like because wow. you know i lived on fire island two summers ago i did in the pines that. i was it was in the pines for like three months oh i'm a grove person so yeah I know, that's why I, I never crossed paths I with know, you I know. <laughs> <laughs> but i used to go to lena throwback sunday oh okay every sunday night and disco dance but i chose the boss by diana ross done you know that song i don't think i do okay because i'm a disco queen so i wanted to play that and also the lyrics are good because it's just about like Things aren't always what you expect them to be, in a way. It, it, the song is about kind of like, love taught me who was the boss, basically. Yes. So, and I just think it's interesting, just, you know, in my career, I'm 36 years old, and I've been living in New York for, I don't know, 13 years, and just I'm constantly, you know, growing and changing and realizing that sometimes things that I really want are actually not what I want at all. And I just, everything is always just kind of, changing and shaping up differently than I expected and it's always continue to grow so that's why I chose this song well thank you and I yes. love the fact that the, my favorite thing about doing this podcast is that I end up learning something I, I'm recording it for strangers but then at the end of each podcast I'm like I just got something out of this interview so yeah. So thank you for that I learned and grow from spending this hour with you awesome so have a good night and happy opening thank you yeah.